This morning I will be reading Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Before I get started, I want to thank everybody for having me this morning. I want to thank Bo and his family for letting us stay there this weekend. Uh, Our family got here this weekend. We've had a wonderful time. We got to see some uh, church league basketball. Go West 7th. There you go. Uh, uh, We've had a really great time. Uh, We got to spend some time with some people we really, truly love. Uh, And I just want to say thank you for having us and my family this morning. I don't know. My wife heard I was speaking. I think she left. Uh, But hopefully we'll blame I'm sure she'll blame it on the baby like she usually does. Uh, And I want to say thank you for these men who helped us with this worship this morning. You know, one thing that I want to say working with young people is oftentimes we say these young people are the future of the church, and that's one of my biggest pet peeves working in church. These young people, they're the church right now. Uh, They're doing great things each and every day. They're active. They're leading worship. They're out in the community. They're reaching, seeking and saving souls. This isn't the future of the church. This is the church right now. Uh, We need to be careful of how we address that. Uh, Thank them today. Uh, Give them hugs. Uh, Tell them how much you appreciate them. It's incredible the courage and the desire and the passion it takes to come up here. Uh, So this morning as we get started, I'll go ahead and we can point out left and right. Our, our two well-dressed men up here, we'll have to name them later. If you come back to our, our afternoon service with the teens, we'll be talking a lot more about these two guys. Uh, and I, I know you're probably thinking about why did he get a jacket that's two sizes too small, and I'll tell you that story a little bit later too, but I want to say this before I get into that. Uh, my wife, I bought this jacket at a thrift store for this lesson today, and she decided she needed to wash it. Uh, of course, you don't wash tweed jackets in the washing machine. Uh, if you ever happen to wash a tweed jacket in the washing machine, it will shrink, just in case you're wondering. So I wanted to throw that out there. Uh, This morning, uh, we're going to talk about uh, extravagant love, what it really means to love extravagantly. So I work with teenagers in Millington, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. We're in North Memphis. Uh, and I, I got, it was a long week a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I had a, it was a, one of those weeks where I, we've got a nine-month-old and a four-year-old, and it was, they'd been sick and school, and you know how that happens, and all those things start to build up. And of course, I'm teaching 30 teenagers on a Wednesday night, and I'm getting ready to go in there, and nobody wants to go to church, and it's one of those things you're trying to get everybody ready and out of the house, and bedtime's at seven, and church starts at seven, of course. Uh, so that, it's funny how that works out. And I get into class, and, you know, it's just chaotic. And I look around, and I was struggling of, why am I here tonight? Why am I here? What am I doing in this place? I, I had so little desire to teach that class that night. And I, I looked at that class, and I said, I want to ask you one question tonight, and we're going to talk about this question for the whole hour. I said, why are you here? Why are you at church? What are you doing here? What's your purpose? Somebody brought you, parents made you come so they could have a couple minutes themselves, Uh, parents made you come because they have to go so you have to go. Uh, It's funny how it works, but when I asked them why they were here tonight, they struggled. They struggled to be able to answer that question. 
they looked around and they're like, was this a trick question, Ross? You know, he's always trying to trick us. And they, they started looking to each other and started, and they started fumbling around and, and making up these answers. Well, well, we're supposed to be here was number one, of course. And I was like, well, why are you supposed to be here? Well, I don't know. Maybe it says in the Bible, I'm sure somewhere. We got to go to church, right? And I said, no, why, why did you choose to come here? Well, you know, we always come here. We're here every week, right? We always, we have to come. Why are you here? We went on for the next 15 or 20 minutes, and they really struggled to answer that question. And I think for most of them, they've never actually thought about that question. And I want to think about that question this morning, and I want you to think this morning, I want you to sit there in your pew right now and think, why am I here? Why am I here? Grandparents started coming here in 1952, and I've always been here since I was born. I was born and raised here. I started coming here in college. Why this morning are you here? You know, I, I think about it a lot of times in churches. We try so hard to get people to come in the door, and we try different things to get people in here. And all, we ourselves don't know what in the world we're doing in a church building. For most of us this morning, the answer probably wasn't, because I love Jesus. That's why I'm here. I know why I'm here, and it's because I love Jesus with all of my heart. I struggle with that. I struggle with that personally. I come to church week in, week out. I work at a church. I'm there every day. Sunday mornings, I want to be at church because I love Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at John chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. I've got Nolan who's offered to read that for us this morning. And I want you all to open up your Bibles, turn there, and we're going to stick to the Scripture all morning. So if you want to, John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. We're going to look at why we're here this morning. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with them. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and money given to the poor. Not that he really cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So Jesus is in there. Mary walks into the room. She has this expensive jar of perfume. She breaks it open. The alabaster jar, and she breaks his alabaster jar up, and she, she starts pouring it all over Jesus. Starts wiping her hair to wipe the perfume up. Judas is quick to rebuke her, and Jesus stops him. So this isn't the right time to tell her what she's doing wrong. He thanks her for the extravagant gift. Jesus blesses that gift, and to this day, we still remember that gift in John chapter 12. To this day, we still talk about what Mary of Bethany did for Jesus in John chapter 12. Extravagant, I, I looked up the definition. It's not a word I used and actually thought about trying to use different words uh, for, for this gift. And I felt this is the best word. It says, if I define it, uh, according to the internet, it says, spending foolishly, carelessly or wastefully, using too much of anything involved expense, going beyond what is reasonable, or what is justified, or what is normal, and it says exaggerated. She says she, she spends foolishly. 
This morning we're going to look at a couple of different things about what Mary did and her gift for Jesus and the love she had for him. And we're going to come back to that question to get to the end. My first point I want to consider is extravagant love is grateful. Extravagant love is grateful. You meet Mary of Bethany three times in the Bible. These are three different verses. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. That's when her and her sister Martha are getting ready, and Martha's cleaning, and Martha gets mad. She's like, Jesus, you better get on to Mary. She's not cleaning with me. She's not getting everything ready. She's supposed to be serving you. And, of course, Jesus is like, Martha, Martha, Martha. He gets, uh, he gets upset. He's like, she, this is her time to worship. What are you doing to Martha? And that, that's, you see Jesus at, uh, you see Mary at Jesus' feet. Uh, wanting to take in all of him when they're together. Then the next time you meet her, John chapter 11, of course, her brother's just passed away. Uh, Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, has just died. He's passed away. He's been dead for quite some time. And what does Jesus do? Jesus comes into their life and he raises Lazarus. Uh, it's a time of emotion. It's a time of buildup. It's a time of love for them. It's a time of, of honor. It, it means so much to her. You can imagine losing a family member and thinking what's going to happen. And three days later, Jesus coming into your life of God that you've studied, a, a guy you've set at his feet, and he, he comes in and he raises your brother. It changes everything for Mary, okay? And then that's the, the, the third time you meet her is in John chapter 12. So Lazarus has just been raised. She's set at his feet. And this time we see Mary at Jesus' feet again. This time she's pouring her perfume all over him. So each time you meet Mary in the Bible, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. And the first point I want to make is she's grateful. You can imagine the things she's seen, the, the, the story she's heard, the miracles she's observed. She's seen all these great things in her life, and she is grateful for what Jesus has done. I, I want to say this. She meets Jesus. Jesus does something for her. She is grateful. See, I think the difference in a lot of us here this morning is we've met Jesus. Jesus has done something for us, and we're not sure whether or not we're grateful. Are we grateful for what Jesus has done in our life? I want, I want to ask you this. If Jesus hadn't entered your life, where would you be right now? Think about that. Just think about your past. And if Jesus had never come into your life and he never come into play, where would you be? For me, that's a scary thought. I don't know where in the world I'd be right now if Jesus never came in my life. I should be so grateful that Jesus came in and took a part of my life. Took over my life. But the truth is, most of the time, we're not. We struggle with this point, and I think without this, this foundational point of knowing where Mary's been, that we don't understand the rest of the story. And for us, if we're not grateful, and that's not our foundation, it's going to be hard to love Jesus extravagantly. It's going to be hard for us to look at our lives and see what Jesus has done. If you're not grateful, if Jesus didn't transform your life, the rest of the story really doesn't matter. Mary was grateful. Jesus made a huge impact on her life after she met him. See, the, th the same things happen in our life. We've met Jesus. He's made an impact on us. It's time for us to be grateful. It's time for us to show um, how grateful we are. The second thing I want to talk about this morning is ext extravagant love doesn't care about the cost. Extravagant love doesn't care about the cost. Uh, in, in verse 3, the first part says, Mary therefore took a pound of ointment, expensive ointment, made from pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped with her hair. Expensive perfume. She pours it all over. Tell me this. How much do you care about the cost? As a person, as a parent maybe, as somebody that might be frugal, 
You like coupons, maybe a little bit. My wife has one of those like massive binder things, you know, you kind of flip through. Uh, most of us, though, as people, care about the cost. Even people with money care about the cost, right? You, you, you've got money. Uh, cost matters to each of us in here. You, you know, I joke, uh, cost didn't matter so much before we had kids, but now you have kids, it's like, oh, how much was that milk you got? And like, two seventy. I don't know how much milk costs. I probably won't say that because my wife will get mad at me. But uh, you know, we care about the price of milk, and, you know, and the gas prices. We can talk for hours about what gas costs now, right? We care about how much things cost a lot, probably more than we should. Uh, I like to use this story. One of my favorite parts about working with young people is the first time that young people fall in love, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, they go all out. You know what I'm talking about. Like, they'll buy those expensive gifts. I'm like, you've known her for two weeks. Calm down. Uh, but we, we've got this one kid in our youth group, and uh, he, he's great. He really is. But he's dating this girl, and it's getting close to Christmas time, so he gets to come. What should I get her for Christmas? I'm like, okay, you've been dating her a little bit. I mean, you should buy her something nice. So, he, you know, something nice to him means he's going to spend uh, all of his money, a lot of his parents' money, and then any other money he can find from his grandparents or anybody else related to him. Uh, so, so he buys all this stuff, and, and he gets her the, I mean, great gifts, great gifts. And it's right before Christmas, and she decides she no longer wants to go out with him. And he gives her the gifts anyway, right? So th- this, it's so sad. He, he's like, I don't know what to do. And he takes her the gifts and leaves her the gifts in her driveway. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what are you doing? Uh, I was like, take them back. You know, give the money to somebody else. Give the money to the poor, right? That's what Judas told him. And, but, but you start thinking about, oh, what are you doing? Uh, but I guarantee you this, okay? So he, he does this once. He's in love. You know, he buys her the gifts. The second time, does he buy her expensive gifts? He doesn't buy another. The next girl, if she gets a Christmas gift, she's lucky. Okay, uh, it, it, that's that's our mentality. Okay, we, we're we're really giving young people. Man, you can you can ask my daughter. She's four, and she'll give you anything. She'll be like, okay, yeah, here's fifty dollars. But I know when I ask a fifteen year old for thirty cents when you're short change, you know, at a gas station, like, whoa, you're gonna pay me back? You're gonna pay me back? Like, give me thirty cents. It's okay. It's not. But you know, the older we get, the more we start thinking about how much cost matters. And, and like I said, now as a parent, it's so funny to me how things have changed. Uh, just in the past couple of years, from uh, you know buying anything we wanted to really thinking about, well, you've got thirty-two dollars to spend in groceries for the next six weeks. You better use it wisely. And I'm like, thirty-two dollars. She's like, I made it work, you can do it too. Uh, but th- it's funny how that works for our family now. I, it, a story I like to use too, uh, I'll, I'll never forget, there was this youth minister uh, back in the day, and, and you see him, and he would go take everybody out to eat. I remember like uh, going to Perkins one time and dropping like $200 at a Perkins restaurant. That doesn't happen anymore for that youth minister. Uh, you know, you're like, uh, will you take me to Taco Express? And he's like, will you buy your dinner? Uh, so that's, that's how it works. Things change over time. But this is the point I want to make with this. Is cost matters to us as people. When you see that, that Mary's used this expensive bottle of perfume, you realize that cost mattered a lot to her. It matters to us as people. But a lot of times, I want to say this, is we can get so obsessed on the cost that we miss everything else. We're so obsessed with the numbers and the the different things, uh, the, the different prices of things, that we missed everything else around us. We get so obsessed with every little decimal point that we've missed the big picture. Judas cared about the cost. He's quick to point out that what Mary did was wrong. Uh, but I want to say this this morning. Jesus, he didn't care about the cost, did he? 
he wouldn't be like, okay, yeah, you know, don't use that perfume. Just go get some cheap, like, knockoff scent, you know, from uh, Ross Dress for Less. Go get me some of the knockoff stuff. Use that, and then we'll donate this money. Jesus appreciated the gift. Jesus appreciated that gift that Mary gave him. We're so caught up today in, in numbers and price and, and all these variables that a lot of times we miss the gift of Jesus. Extravagant love this morning doesn't care about the cost. It doesn't at all. Jesus didn't care about the cost. We're obsessed with the cost. We're the ones focusing on the wrong thing. Mary's gift was an act of faith. It's a beautiful, beautiful act of faith. So many times we're so called up in the numbers that we miss this faith point. The third thing I want to look at is extravagant love. It makes a difference in people's lives. The second part of verse 3 says, The house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. The house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. I thought about this point. I've been preparing for this sermon for a couple of weeks, and me and my wife went uh, Christmas shopping uh, not too long ago. I don't know if you walked through a mall recently. We got attacked by the perfume people. Uh, that's what I call them, the perfume people. You know, they've got the kiosks in the middle, and they've got those little sample things. I'm a big smell people, uh, a big smell person. Uh, my dad's a big smell person. Uh, my dad's the kind of guy, I always tell people this, he doesn't like if you wear cologne when you go out to eat with him because he thinks it affects your meal. Uh, so that's the kind of person he is. And I, I've got the same thing going on. Uh, I'm not a big, if I smell something too strong, I get the headache, I've got to leave the room kind of thing. Uh, so anyways, got to go to the mall, get a bunch of toys for kids. Uh, so that's what we need. Uh, we go there, though, and we walk into the mall, and they attack you. And I, I, I'll tell you this, I, you realize you're too old to go to the mall when you start thinking whether or not you should tell security on these people. You need to keep them behind the kiosks, okay? I don't like getting attacked by the perfume people. Uh, I thought about going in, but I didn't go tell, uh, so I'm not that old yet. But they, they came after me with their perfume, and you know as soon as you get near that thing, you just smell the, the combination of all those different perfumes. And, and you might be the person that loves it. I've got this one girl in my youth group, and she loves getting near those people. She'll, just, she'll spray it all over, and then you got to drive her home and like roll the windows down. Uh, but we get so... So, so, you know, overwhelmed. And you've got to think, if you've got this little alabaster jar of perfume, and she breaks this open, and she starts pouring it off in the small enclosed room with Jesus, what in the world does it smell like in there? Just imagine, you're walking in, Mary's just poured the perfume all over Jesus, and you walk into that room right after that, it's like, oh, what are y'all doing? Uh, that would have been an immediate headache for me. But, that, you've got to imagine that people knew that smell. People talked about that smell for years. They would smell perfume similar, and they would talk about the gift that Mary gave to Jesus. You know, it's crazy to think that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about the perfume that, that Mary poured onto Jesus. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about the perfume. When you love Jesus extravagantly, you make a difference in people's life. That's all there is to it. When you hang out with people who really, really love Jesus, they make a difference, right? They change things. You know things about that person. I'm going to call out two people this morning. They don't know I'm going to call them out. Nolan and Nick. Young people like them doing great things with their Sunday Best clothing line. They're trying to make a difference in this world. When young people, when we try to, when all of us as people try to make a difference in people's lives, it makes a difference makes a difference not only in our lives and the people around us, but our stories carry over. Carry over from towns. And with social media, it carries over to countries. And now we're making a difference around the world by loving other people. 
We're making a difference all around the world. Time and time again, Jesus has asked us to go make a difference in people's lives. Luke 19, chapter 10 tells us he's, you know, Jesus has come to seek and save the lost. We're supposed to be like that. you got Matthew chapter 28 with the Great Commission. We're supposed to be, make, go out and make disciples. We're, go, we're told so many times to go out there and make a difference in people's lives. And this morning, another question I have for you is, what difference are you making in people's lives? What difference are you making in people's lives? For most of us as Christians, we're like, I came to church. I'm here, right, Ross? Look, I mean, I'm, I've got my spot down, right? What difference are you making in somebody's life right now? And I'll tell you this. I, I think when we love extravagantly, when we go out there and we really try to love people in this community, not just people that, that come in these doors and maybe not just the people that sit next to you in church, but when we go out into the community... When we go out there and we love people extravagantly, when we love Jesus with all of our heart, I mean our whole heart, when we give Him gifts that maybe don't even make sense sometimes, we're going to make a difference in people's lives. We're going to make a difference in our own lives. We're going to make a difference in our family's life. We're going to make a difference in this community's lives. We've got to go out there and make a difference. The fourth thing I want to talk about this morning is extravagant love doesn't care about what other people say. Judas was quick to rebuke her in verses 4 through 6 there. Judas, man, he attacks her. He thinks about, think about the orphans, the money, what we could do, all the great things. How much this morning do you like criticism? How much do you like it when you're told you're being wrong? From a boss, higher up, somebody? They, one of the, the least favorite things for teenagers is telling them how much they've done something wrong. You know, no teenager likes that. Uh, no teenager likes to be yelled at. But the truth is, m- most of us as adults don't like it much either. We don't like constructive criticism. We don't like positive criticism. I don't care what kind of spin you like it, or you, what spin you put on there. I don't like it when you tell me I've done something wrong. Uh, it's really hard for me uh, and, and for most of us to be told, you're doing that wrong. But that's exactly what Judas tells Mary. He says, you've done that wrong. And, and Mary, you've got to think, she, I'm sure she's thought this out. She's, she's grateful for what Jesus has done. She's paying Him back. She wants to give Him something. You know, She gives Him the most expensive thing she probably has to her name. She pours it all over Him. And the first thing that, Jesus, that Judas does was to rebuke her. Extravagant love doesn't care about what other people say, but I want to tell you this. If you're loving extravagantly, people are going to tell you you're doing something wrong. When you go into this community and you love people with all your heart, people are going to be like, what is wrong with that person? Why is he over in that neighborhood? Why is he helping those types of people fill in the blank? Extravagant love, though, doesn't care what other people say. Doesn't care about all the bad things that people in this community are going to say, that the people that you respect say. Doesn't care about those things. We as Christians can't be so focused on what other people are going to say that we don't love Jesus extravagantly. We can't care so much about what everybody's going to say if we do this, that we forget what it was ever like to really love Jesus with all our heart. When you love extravagantly, people are going to talk. It's going to happen. People are going to say, something's wrong with it. I've been called crazy. I've been asked, what's wrong with you? So many things over the years that I I thought I was doing something so right, and I've had people telling me that you're so wrong. 
And I want to say that the question and the focus this morning isn't about those other people. My focus this morning shouldn't be about what everybody in here is going to say if you do this. My focus should be, is this pleasing to God? Is my gift pleasing to God? Because the last point I have is Mary's gift. It was pleasing to God. Extravagant love is pleasing to God. And when you look at verses 7 and 8, it says, Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for a day of my burial. He knows he's about to die. For the poor you will always have with you, but you don't always have me. Mary's gift was, was extravagant. She loved Jesus with everything she had, and it was pleasing to God. She didn't care about what Judas said anymore. She didn't care about what, what all these haters were going to say to her. She didn't care about any of that anymore. She had one goal in mind. And that was what she was going to give Jesus everything she had. She was going to pour that out no matter what happened in her life. She was grateful for that gift that she was given. Nobody could take anything away from her at this moment. For us, I think we focus so much on the wrong questions. I think we focus on things that really don't matter. I think when we ask ourselves what's going to happen in the future, I think we think about what's the best for our family, is this a smart business move, we ask ourselves all these different questions, and a question we rarely hear, is this pleasing to God? Is this move what God wants out of my life right now? Is this move what God wants for me and my family right now? It's not a question we hear. You know, a lot of moves I've made in my life, people said that's the wrong thing to do. Said financially, it's not a smart decision. I've been told time and time again, and you start getting so called up, and you, well, is this going to work? Is this going to work for my family? Financially, how are we going to be able to do this? What about the education systems? What about this neighborhood? And you get so called up in all these little voices that we don't ask the question, is this pleasing to God? That was the only question that mattered to Mary. And I pray this morning that's the only question that matters to us. See, I want to say this in conclusion this morning. Judas, he knew Jesus. You think about it. Judas, he was around Jesus all the time. If you wanted to ask Judas a fact about Jesus, Judas could have probably told you everything you wanted to know. Jesus is from here. We hang out on the weekends. We do all these different things together. Uh, this is where he grew up. You know, these are his friends. This is what Jesus likes to do. Judas knew Jesus well, right? But did Judas love Jesus. Judas was quick to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He was quick to give up everything he had. The whole relationship. See, Mary probably didn't know Jesus that well. We only see her three times in the Bible. She probably you know, heard him talk a couple times. She knew about him from what other people were saying. But she didn't know Jesus like Judas knew Jesus. She didn't know him. She, wasn't, she didn't have that personal relationship with him. But the difference is Mary loved Jesus. Mary loved Jesus with everything she had. She was willing to love him extravagantly. She wouldn't trade Jesus for 30 pieces of silver to save her life. She would have never even considered it. The scary part, I want to say this in closing this morning, is when I read and really study and meditate on John chapter 12, those first eight verses... I always struggle with this question. Am I more like Judas or am I more like Mary? I know Jesus. I went to Bible school. I have a degree in Bible. I can tell you a lot of facts about Jesus. I took a lot of classes. I 
could tell you something in Greek, maybe a little bit, not much. Uh, I know a lot about Jesus. I'm sure most of y'all do. Most of y'all have been to church for a good portion of your whole lives. You can tell me uh, fact after fact about Jesus. You can quote the 66 books of the Bible. You can break down Old Testament. You can even tell me a couple of the minor prophets. You know Jesus this morning. But do you love Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? See, the thing is, with Mary's gift... If Mary was here this morning and she was sitting in this pew, she's sitting in this front pew, I could ask Mary, I said, why are you here this morning? And she wouldn't be like, uh, fellowship, I don't know, because uh, my friends are here. Mary would say, because I love Jesus with everything I have. This morning, I want you to think about that question just again with me, just for one more second. Why are you here? Why are you at church this morning? I hope the answer is because you love Jesus with your whole heart. But I want you to know, it's going to be okay if you don't. Jesus is ready and willing to be in a relationship with you. If, if you've wandered away from that relationship, if you've gotten so mixed up in, in the busyness of church and the busyness of your home life that so you forgot, why in the world am I here today? I want you to know Jesus is sitting in here with open arms saying, come back home. I'm ready for you. This morning, the West Seventh Elders, they, they wanted to let you know that they're here for you. They'll pray for you if there's anything you need. If your relationship with Jesus isn't what you think or want, they want you to know that they want you to come forward today. If there's anything you need at all, if there's any prayers we can offer for you, if you want to find me later and pray together, I would love to do that. If there's anything you need at all, uh, just please come forward so we stand and sing.